Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This episode is brought to you by Red Range Stock Supplements. Red Range is a locally owned family run business based in Kununurra, Western Australia and servicing the whole Northwest. They offer a range of custom blended supplements for cattle and horses tailored specifically to your individual requirements. For more information or to discuss your supplement needs, please visit redrainstocksupplements.com.au. Central Station Podcast, where we bring you stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one, as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. What would you do if you knew your life was going to change irrevocably and there was nothing you could do to stop it? That's the predicament Mitch Scott found himself in when he was diagnosed with Usher syndrome, a rare genetic disorder primarily characterized by deafness and a progressive loss of vision. In this episode, Mitch speaks about his diagnosis and the decision to leave the life he had planned behind to head north and work on outback cattle stations. To start, I asked Mitch what he was currently watching, reading, or listening to. Oh, them podcasts I'm not, like, a big fan of. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of them, to be honest. Like, I've heard a couple. Like, I've listened to this one. I listened to the one of Dusty and um, Jody at Florina, but, like, I, I remember that. That was on the plane, but it's too hard for me to hear, like... That's that's the hard part. It's like same with music, like you just it's so hard to hear. But yeah, it's not too bad these days because the iPhones you can actually use, They're like you know, suit for your hearing. So yeah, you'll see me more outside than sitting inside. Like even when I was a kid, I was always outside. Like I'm not one of them kids that play PlayStation or anything like that. I was always outside doing something, you know, riding the motorbike, building stuff like. Yeah, I just, not that I don't like that, like, you know, internet and stuff, but I'm just more, you know, not drawn to it. So you were only partway through your electrical apprenticeship when you went to Ag Workforce to get a job on a station. Why did you, you know, you'd already committed to an apprenticeship. Why did you want to leave that to come up north? During my apprenticeship, started, like, you know, just struggling, like, you know, driving to work in the city in the dark and it was just, like, something not righty, so I went... When he got me eyes checked out and, um, yeah, they were like, we might need you to go see someone else. And you're like, like, okay, then went somewhere else and like, did like real extensive tests. Like I was sitting like, you're sitting like a bowl and you look in this bowl and you got to stare at this dot and center and they shine lights everywhere and you got to press a button. 
So like that checks like your peripheral vision. Then they um hooked up wires in your head, and literally you just put me in a dark room for like fifteen minutes. Just sat there like wires hooked up, nothing like to do or anything like that. Just pitch black, and then they just put this computer on and just flash all these certain lights, and then they'd just read that and like how my brain processed it, which was like weird but kind of like creepy because like this is not right. And then it was probably a couple of weeks later, a month or something like that, went to the doctor and he's like, well, from what we've got here, you've got juvenile X-linked retinitis, which is like a, a genetic issue that males only get because women have an XY where males only have XX. Um, and then there was a retinitis pigmentosa, which is like swelling in the back of my um, retina. So I had pigmentation, yeah, pigmentation and swelling, and I was like, oh, this is not good. Like, like the doctor tells you, like, don't don't look into it too much, but any person's going to look into it because that's when you start shitting yourself and going, what's going on here? Like, this is, like, you think I'm fine, but I'm not fine. Like, someone's telling you something else. I kept going back just to regular checkups, and we're starting to get a bit of an idea, and he said, Usher syndrome, which is what he thinks was most suited to me. And then by then gave me some information for genetic testing just to break down and make sure it is this um syndrome, which is Usher syndrome. So yeah, like that Usher syndrome, it wasn't it wasn't like confirmed, it was just a a guess. So yeah, like just from being doing my apprenticeship and hearing about that, it was a big it was a big thing in my life, I guess, like, just, like, a big shock. And, like, you know, you search it up and you go, oh, you know, people in their 30s, 40s, and, like, that's that's not far away. Like, you know, I'm only 23. Like, I remember when I turned 21, like, it was the other day, and that's, like, starts to catch up on you. So that's when I started, you know, like, you know what? I've done CFA, like, being a firefighter back in Victoria. Like, I've done a bit of work there, like, helping out. I've given an electrician a crack like I thought it was going to be for me and now the only thing I've got left is like go north and just work in a station, just go live the dream and that's me right now, just living the dream, I guess. So I just want to talk about Usher syndrome for a moment. What is the effect that it has? So Usher syndrome, there's three types. So I'm type two, so which is they're all pretty similar um, but for type two, you're born with a mild to moderate hearing loss. So it's just hearing and aids fix that. And then in your mid to late teens, you'll start to lose like night vision because that's your most sensitive type of vision. So that deteriorates first. And then eventually you'll lose your peripheral vision, which just goes into a tunnel vision later on during life. So that's, yeah, that's type two. Um, Usher syndrome, like there are, you, Type 3, which is very rare, you don't have very good balance, but that was never me. Like, I was playing every sport. You could play, like, footy, um, basketball, like, anything you think of. I've given a crack tennis, like, just a whole lot. So, that, that when I finally got diagnosed, that was this end of last year. So, it was about three to four years ago that you had your initial test with the doctor and they made a prognosis, which is basically a educated guess. You know, they couldn't confirm a diagnosis without the genetic testing. And then it was about a three to four year gap before you actually got the confirmation of exactly what it was. 
why did it take so long to get the, that confirmation? Probably because I ran away to ENT, just thought it would fix everything, but which like it did. But it is a very because it's so rare this condition. Like it's you know the government are going to put money into it, and they won't do the testing unless they get the money for it. And it was just you just got to apply for it, and then eventually when they get the money, they'll study it and whatever and use it for like future testing and anything like that. So. Yeah, it was just, it was a bit of a wait to actually finally hear from it. What was it like having to wait such a long period of time? You no, know, I, essentially you were living in limbo with this educated guess of what you might have, but you didn't really know. And that was three years of your life. What was that like? It was probably like just after me first year of apprenticeship. That's when I got checked. And then I did another probably a couple of months that, that like doing the same job, same place, like same company. So I did three months of the same company and then got, I couldn't do it anymore. Like it was just, it just wasn't right after finding out about everything. So I tried like, you know, stay in electrical trade, do a bit of solar and a bit of domestic and the same thing that just didn't fit like me after like probably six to nine months there was a bit of a period where I was a bit lost. So that's where I, you know, decided, you know, apply ag workforce and got a job working in Alroy. And it was honestly a good move for me, but I was still, like, you know, wasn't, like, reassured that everything was going to be okay. And probably till in the last year when they gave me that results, I finally, like, started to find myself. Like, I was very lost. I wasn't in the right mindset, so... Like, I wasn't happy with myself or anything like that. Couldn't just, couldn't get up in the morning sometimes. Couldn't go to sleep because it was just a big issue running through my mind all the time. And, like, it did play on me at work. Like, it was one of the hardest things to do working here. And same as Alroy, just trying to deal with it all. You mentioned earlier that type 2 doesn't just affect vision. It also affects hearing and that you had had some hearing issues since you were a child, uh, but, you know, you'd been wearing hearing aids for that. Did you ever think, you know, you've already got one, you know, it would have been, I mean, I, you've got hearing aids and that certainly alleviates some, that some of those issues, but did you ever think, like, I've already got one thing, how come there's a second thing now? Like, it's isn't it just enough to have one thing? Yeah, so growing up with, like, hearing aids, because I had them such a young age, it wasn't a big issue for me, like, one of the first memories I could remember when I was, like, three, which was when, like, I got me here and I was the first ever memory I could probably remember back, that far back was going outside, like, it was almost, like, late afternoon, and I'm like to my mum, like, what's that sound? She's like, what what sound? I'm like, that sound. And I couldn't describe the sound, but she's like, crickets. And I'm like, what's crickets? And, like, I can't hear them with me hearing those out, like, at all. Like, that's the first memory I could probably remember, like, was that far back, was getting me hearing aids, just hearing things for the first time that, like, you wouldn't hear for, like, three years almost because that's how long I didn't have them. But, like, hearing aids, it's just like any person wearing glasses to me, like, they're there to assist you more than and to, like, help you. Just they're more of a tool than something that you depend on. It was never a big issue for me with hearing aids. Like, 
everyone knew me through primary school, high school, and what was wrong with me was just it was just normal. Now you'd said that your list of things that you wanted to do was CFS, so the Country Fire Service, the authority. Yeah, oh, CFA. CFA. I think yeah. maybe it's CFS in like South Australia yeah, or somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, South Australia and New South Wales yeah. are all different. Yeah. And then be a Sparky. So that was when you'd done your electrical apprenticeship and then cattle stations. But where you didn't grow up anywhere near a cattle station though. You grew up kind of as far away as you could be down in Victoria. So how do you even know what a cattle station is growing up in Victoria and how did that make it onto your list? Um, so when I grew up, we grew up on 75 acres. We had probably a handful of cattle, just some Angus, you know, just your plain land Angus. And that wasn't too bad, like, just cows, like, to me, like, when you grow up. And same thing, we had about 10 horses in the property as well. And it was always something like, I was always outside and I was always around and it was just normal for me. So I guess when I got, like, you know, had that choice of coming up north, it was just, just felt like home in a sense, if that makes sense. Like, it just was me. Like, it's what I've grown up around, like, just on a bit bigger of a scale, like. So, yeah, it's just something that just fit, fit me almost, something I could understand. Tell me about your work on cattle stations. What sorts of jobs have you done and what's involved in it? Depends on, not to like, you know, brag about but like for some people I can I'm pretty handy in a sense like I'm I've had half a dozen people tell me that before I even met you that you can yeah you're pretty handy which is why you're gonna look at my car tomorrow morning (laughs) yeah so I'm I'm always that person that just helps out no matter what with anything if they can't think of like someone then they're probably thinking of me straight away like I can almost do anything you wanted me to do it's just it sucks for me because I always get stuck in that job. So it was like at our area, I just, I was the only one that could, you know, weld or drive trucks or fix like electrical problems or just anything. And that's where I probably didn't get stuck in the stock camp, like working with the crew. And as much as I come up here to work with like a crew of people, work with cattle, I just got dragged in the deep end, like just bore running, driving road trains. It's just, just a whole lot, really. Yeah, handy people are pretty hard to come across sometimes. So I can imagine that when people get one, they yeah. want to hold on to you and, and make the most of it. Um, but are you in the stock camp at Sanford? Uh, yeah, well, I love yeah. that. I forget where I am. I started off the day at Beer and Dudo, everyone. So yeah. I don't know where I am right now. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, pretty much like last year I was in the stock camp, but it's like, if there was something that needed to be done, I was back here, like, doing something. Like, if there was a turkey nest blocked, I was the first one to go swimming in that turkey nest unblocker. Like, if they had a job, it was always me doing it. But I always had one rule. I would, I'm a sparky, not a plumber. I would not do your septics. But I got dragged into that too, so I don't know how what happened to that one. Yeah, that's a pretty rough job to be pulled into septic. Yeah. Um, I mean, cow poo, one thing, if you're in the yards getting covered in that, <laughs> horse poo, but people poo, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. So, what do you, you know, um, we're in early March at the moment and you guys have the first muster of the year tomorrow. Um, well, you know, not like your traditional muster, but you're doing just, some. Just a bit of a paddock clean up tomorrow, so. Yeah, so what do you, what, you know, are you, do you ride a bike? Do you ride a horse? Like, what, is, what does life look like up here for you? 
you know, it's it's one of the three things that you wanted to do. Tell me about living the dream. You know, like when I was a kid, I was riding motorbikes every day, so I enjoy jumping on the bikes out here. So, so it's just something I love doing. Like, be able to drive a car, I could take the motorbike and go bush somewhere and go exploring there. I enjoyed that. Like it is a bit harder up here because you know you got you got your radio, you got cattle look at, choppers look at. So I've pretty much broken that down. So like I got a headset in my helmet just so I can talk to choppers so much easier. Like just to just to eliminate that factor of not hearing everyone. So I've got no excuse now. I can't ignore anyone. Um, but yeah, so that that's one thing I enjoy doing up here is like just big on the bikes, but also. One of the other reasons I wanted to work at Sanford was they're big on horses, so Haysbury are very big on horses. So that that's something I quite enjoyed too because I never really got a chance to like work with horses when I was growing up, even though I grew up around horses, which was pretty hard for me because it was actually something I quite enjoyed. What's the best part about being up here in the Territory or up north in general out in a cattle station? Probably the best thing about Northern Cherokee is just one thing is everyone knows everyone and understands everyone. Like, you can just get along with people so easy. Like, down in Victoria, like, you look at your neighbours and they wouldn't, like, you know, they wouldn't even wave back to you. Like, if you gave them a wave, they wouldn't even, like, well, say hello or come have a chat. Like, out yeah, here, yeah, everyone just gets along, just just wants to be your mate. Like, it's the best thing out here. Like, just, it's like almost a happy place, even though it's a bit high to man, like, some days. <laughs> Is it stressful? Is it hard? You know, you're kind of between two worlds. You know, anybody that comes up here kind of has to balance two worlds, you know, before the Territory and after the Territory. So you've got your family and your crew and your community up here, but then you've obviously got family back in Victoria. And I know we spoke off the podcast earlier. It's, you know, like it's like once you go north, everything changes. You look at everything different. And so it's kind of hard to imagine yourself going back home and staying there. So, how do you kind of balance that, you know, like missing your family and wanting to spend time with them but then wanting to live yeah. this life up here? There are a couple of friends that, like, they're like family to me, like I get along well with. And um, I do miss them but I'm always keeping in touch with them. But up here, everyone treats you like family as well. It's just one thing is just like you're one of them, like you're one of us almost like there's no backing out, like. You're stuck with us. You can't leave. And I'm, I'm, I used to say that to everyone because everyone just gets sick of me. And I'm like, well, too bad. You're stuck with me. You have to deal with my shit. So it's only been a few years since your prognosis and then a confirmed diagnosis last year. How has your life been impacted and how has it changed from, you know, I suppose the hearing, you know, you've, you've been dealing with the hearing issues since you're a child and that's kind of all done and dusted, not really an issue anymore. But, um, yeah, how's your life changed now that you've got both of these things to deal with? Um, yeah, the hearing, pretty much everyone understands this, like, pair of glasses. Like, there has been a tough time where one of them musters, just bad luck, that rain broke on the horse, and I went to pull that horse up and just just pulled myself into a tree and, like, lost my hearing aid in the paddock. And, like, we were all looking for it for probably a good half an hour and couldn't find it. And it was just between that period of, like, losing my hearing aid and a month later for when it was getting replaced, it was actually really hard. Like, people don't understand, like, how important they are, but, like, it throws you off balance. And, I mean, like, you almost walk in circles because you just – your head's almost tilted to one side because you're so 
like you're listening out your other ear to like just be more aware. So it has been very hard, but I've, everyone has been good with it, which like I appreciate because like I was a prick, <laughs> like proper prick. Or I was real. I was. I wasn't happy. Like it was. Everyone just dealt with me great. So yeah. Fair enough. Do do hearing aids? Do they? Can they only be used in a certain ear? Like, say you lost the one out of your right ear. Can the other one, and you've only got the one left in your left ear, can you switch it between the two ears or is it just for your left ear? Yeah, well, it's like your AirPods. Everyone's got AirPods. Yeah. Like, you can't put them in the other ear. It just doesn't work. Oh, so just the way they're physically. Yeah, so yeah. they sit like, you know, a pair of glasses. You can't put them back to front or into, yeah. like upside down. It just doesn't work. So. Oh, that would. Like, I did have spares, but same thing is they, hearing aids these days, talk to each other. So, they're, that, they're actually really well advanced these days. So, I'll let you get a phone call and it comes straight to me hearing aids or I'll just, like, have music playing straight to me hearing aid and just ignoring everyone. So, yeah, nah, it's not too bad, like, these days. Um, have you got, like, another spare set now? God forbid anything should happen to well, the ones you've got. Depends. I've got two on my left hearing aids because the set before that I lost a week before I was getting new hearing aids out of the car window because I stuck my head out of the car window oh. and just gone. You almost need like, you know, when people have glasses and they have that little like, um, oh, they, tra- they tried giving me that and I was like, no, nah, I'm not wearing them. No, no. So for anybody that obviously can't see us right now because you're listening, yeah. you know, when you put on a pair of sunnies and you've got like, I mean, yeah. back in the old days, the really like cool people used to have like the gold chain. Yeah, they're like they're the like, sunny strap or something yeah, like that. So, yeah. And you know, then uh, they kind of made a comeback like two or three years ago and everyone had like the, the foam or the kind of whatever that material is. Yeah, the sunny like, strap. Wet, yeah, the yeah, wet like, suit wet material. material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, just, you just need a pair of those. No, nah, they, they had them when I was a little kid. It's just a bit of cord that clips on the back of your ear and I just, oh, they were daggy, eh? They were proper daggy. They weren't like trending or anything like that. What about like a really fine piece of like tie wire? Because you, God knows you've got enough hair. Um, don't worry, everyone will be posting a picture <laughs> when we publish this episode, but you could totally hide that in your hair. And not that you should have to anyway, like no, make it a thing. Make I'll, I'll a just trend. get an ear piercing or something like that and just <gasps> tie the ear yeah. piercing. Well, that, no, so I've <laughs> seen somebody connect their ear pods to earrings so that if they fall out, they just yeah. hang as earrings. Yeah, I don't know so. about that idea. Yeah. It's commitment, but I'll just get the long hair. I want to see this through now. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. I'll just get the long hair. They just hold him, you know, right? Meanwhile, I'm like, I wonder if we can get a blowtorch and a nail and give you a piercing tonight. <laughs> so, obviously, you know, you're hearing, as, as we've said, you've been dealing with that your whole life and, you know, you've got the odd occasion where you might lose a hearing aid and whatnot, but I suppose the sight is a much more recent development and probably the thing that takes the most adjusting to because – as you said, with hearing aids, it's, it's like with your hearing, it's like needing a pair of glasses. Like you, you can resolve the issue fairly quickly, but with your sight, you can't. So, yeah, with me eyes, I'm hearing like, as good as it can be, but with me eyes, it's, it hasn't been challenged, but it's always just been that one thing that like, you know, you always got to be cautious about. So like, the only issue I have to deal with at the moment is just night vision, like, I've got to get someone to hold me hand to walk me in the dark. Like, it's it's shocking, eh? Like, if I don't have a torch or something, like, I'm, I don't care if it's a bloke. I'm like, here, hold me, can you hold me hand? They're like, this is awkward. I'm like, I don't care. Just don't walk me into a tree or anything like that because I'll kick your ass later. Um, I'm just thinking, um, so when we do post your picture, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's going to be plenty of girls being like, I'll hold your hand. Yeah, probably are. Uh, 
But anyway, um, I digress. So this is not my matchmaking podcast. We'll do that <laughs> next episode. Um, although everyone in advance, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> and also you're welcome. Thanks. You're welcome, Mitch. Um, I think things, good things will come from this podcast, but back to the night vision thing, I guess in this job, everything you do is during the day. So well, for the most part, um, you know, the, the duties that you're assigned are during daylight hours, but you know, sometimes you do have early starts or late finishes. How do you, obviously you just, like you said, everyone understands and, and works ar- around it. Like you just don't drive. Yeah. So um, everyone understands it. I'm like, they're like, you know, who's driving? They know not to ask me because they'll probably scared of me driving, but like, I can drive at night fine. Like as soon as there's a light in front of me, I'm fine, but. Oh, okay. So, the headlights. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm fine with that. So, I'm pretty fine at night time. I just got to have a torch. Yeah. But where it gets a bit tricky is loading cattle first thing in the morning, like just before sun up. And that's where, that's where it's a challenge because that scares the shit out of me because you just don't know what's coming. Like, they might say, you know, you're best, best being hit by cattle when you're like not seeing it coming because you're all, you know, relaxed and everything like that. So, you're not tense. So, you won't tear muscle to break bones. So, but I just don't want to deal with that because, you know, every every time we load trucks, everyone understands my job is literally just get them tags ready, get them, you know, slides, oil, just make sure everything's all set. So when them cattle are ready and the trucks are ready, we'll just go and then as soon as I can read them ear tags, that's, that's me rule, as soon as I can read them ear tags, that's when I'm in. <laughs> so, yeah. So people are, you know, assisting you, you know, you have a as, – as it's with – had this in a few other episodes. Hatesbury has a pretty good company culture. It's a pretty good mob of people here. So it's not really surprising that. And I guess, like you said, anyway, people in the territory are pretty accepting, laid back. Yeah, everyone's accepting. Like Everyone helps out. So it's not a huge surprise that everyone's just yeah, helping like, you. If I felt uncomfortable, you know, working in this industry or working at all, I'd back out straight out of the way. Like, I've still probably got an easy five years ahead of me, like at least just. Like, I'm sure I've got five years ahead of me just, you know, keep going in this industry, keep going somewhere else. Like, so it's not something I'm worried about. Like, you just want people to be like, understand what's going on. And if there's issues, well, it's not a big deal, I guess. How has this experience affected your mindset or your outlook on life? So, with the Usher syndrome, you've started to lose the night vision or had you know, it's that's been affected and then eventually the way you described to me off off the podcast earlier is that your peripheral vision will go and then you'll end up with tunnel vision. Well, that's the prognosis, like, you know, the diagnosis, but you never know, of course. Yeah. But that, that's the projected trajectory of this. Is it a, do you call it a disease, a syndrome? Uh, I'd just say it's a condition. It's, it's just a genetic mutation Yeah, the best way to put it. Yeah. So... Like, right now, the only issue with my vision is just night vision. Like, I will eventually, like, you know, that's what I'm saying, five years in time, like, I might start losing a lot of my peripheral vision. But today, like, there's no issue at all. Like, I'm still allowed to drive a car. I can still do this and still do that. So, it's just something I'm not bothered about. So, like, I don't drag myself down about it. Like, I probably did drag myself down a, a lot within them three years period of, you know, first finding out and then that diagnosis, I was, yeah, just, it was just a big deal breaker for me. And then after that, it was just a lot of weight off my shoulder. Like you could, you could, uh, they could, 
tell if you could have a family, if it was going to affect if you had a family, like just just all of that, like just big weight off my shoulder and I could, you know, know, just go and live my life, really. So how do you, though, I mean, it's it's certainly not a terminal diagnosis, um, you know, like if somebody told you yeah. you've got cancer and that you've got a timeline on, but in a sense you do have this, you know, it is ter- well, terminal for your eyesight or, or for you know, you said you you may very likely end up legally blind. So you still do have, you know, how do you manage that? Like you said, when you didn't know for those three years and it wasn't confirmed, you had that kind of pressure and it's kind of like this having a timeline or how, how do you manage that? Because I, I feel like it would be very easy um, for anybody in this situation to just become consumed and ov- so overwhelmed at the whole situation. But like you said, you, you've had some time struggling with it but you seem to be in a really peaceful place right now like really at peace with it so how do you how did you do that especially at such a young age oh like within three years it felt like just it just dragged out like just like you know days went forever like weeks went forever like it just felt like three years was like 10 years we're now like just accepting it all it's just like Everything's just so easy, like, you know, every day is just a new day. Like, you just go enjoy something different, like, do something different. Like, it's just, it's like a fresh start almost. Like, just, I don't know how to put it. Like, it's real hard to describe, like, unless you know. It's really hard to describe because it's, to try and explain it to one person is very different to someone else. And, yeah. Do you feel like a completely different person to say, six months before you started noticing any issues, like that that was like a whole lifetime ago and you're a different person? Oh, I feel like I'm a completely different person. Like I feel like I've hopefully changed for better. Like I don't know if I am or not, but like you could ask someone else if I've changed, like, like you know, become a better person. Like, yeah, so like after like the diagnosis, like the proper diagnosis, it just made you like enjoy things in life, like just appreciate what's around you, like, you know, You've only got like, so long, like, not the putting the time on it, but, like, could be tomorrow, could be next week. Like, just enjoy every day. It's the best day you ever had. Like, just enjoy every moment you've got. Like, you just never know. Like, it's just appreciate what you see around you, or, like, what what people have, like, their stories, like, especially, like, this podcast. Like, everyone has good stories. Like, yeah, I know I don't listen to them, but I've tried. Like, it's pretty hard for me, but... Oh, yeah, you have an excuse. I was like, yeah. hang on. And then I was like, oh, wait, here yeah. AIDS. Yeah, that's all right. But also, good plug, five points. <laughs> but, um, like, oh, it's hard because I am a very – I lip read a lot more than I listen, so it's really hard for me, like, unless there's subtitles, unless you can do that for me. But, yeah, um, I just enjoy listening to people's stories and just, like, you know, imagining their memories, like, in my head and just, you know, like, going to do stuff that no one would want to do or like rarely do or just is very you know out of this where like you just got to push yourself to the limits just to get there in a sense like just appreciate what's around you from listening to other podcasts and watching you know documentaries or videos or whatnot i've i've seen some people or heard some people say that when they've had something significant in their life happen that's impacted them like whether they've you know lost an arm or a leg or gone deaf or blind or you know 
and something, you know, something major, some kind of major trauma. They've, you know, that's, you know, they've changed their life and the way they're able to live going forward. They see it. Some people refer to it as a gift because it, it oh, kind of changes. Like, do you, is that a bit of a stretch or would you say, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess in, no one would wish this upon themselves. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say it's a gift. It's more like just, I don't know how to put it. Um, it's not a gift, but it just opened up everything because you're so consumed by one thing and like you just, I don't know how to put it, but like it's just such a weight thinking one thing. But when it's like, when you realize it's not as bad as you've got plenty of time, you actually, and you know, I don't know, it's really hard to explain. It's, no, I think I kind of get where you're going with yeah. that though. And I hope, I guess, for people listening, like, the, you know, at the end of the day, any one of us could have anything of us, have anything happen to us any, at any point in time. Yeah. I, I remember when I used to like not want to drag myself out of bed at like five in the morning for like a 10K and I'd be like, what if I get hit by a car today and like yeah. end up in a wheelchair and then I can't use my legs? Like, obviously that's a bit of a different situation. You probably shouldn't bully yourself yeah. into doing things with negative <laughs> thoughts, but, um, yeah, I get like, it just really opens, like, your perspective in life and just, you know, there's going to be shit that happens. Like, last year was pretty shitty for, like, everyone because of COVID-19. Like, it just, I'm not saying it's the hardest year for me, but it would have been the hardest year for you and everyone on stations, like, and then everyone all across Australia. Just, it would have been the hardest year to deal with. Um, And a lot of people would have shut themselves down and, like, realised, like, some people would have confined themselves a lot and they're like, you know, they could have a lot of freedom. They just, just oh, I put it. <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah, yeah, I get where you're going with that. How do you look after yourself physically, mentally, spiritually? And how has that changed since before and after this? You know, like what would you have done before and then how has that changed? Probably just like, you know, you start the day off just – observe what's around you like just like watch that sunrise and see what's going around probably that sounds a bit weird but like just appreciate and like what's around you every morning and got same going to bed just appreciate what's going around like the people around you just the environment you're in like especially the country like out here is amazing like just appreciating what's what's around me is probably like most important because like, it is hard to come by sometimes, um, especially out here when it's pretty quiet. How do you balance making the most of what time you have left with your vision or certain, you know, quality of vision as it deteriorates? But, you know, that is over going to be over a period of maybe a decade, hopefully longer. You know, you never really know. But how do you go with balancing that versus just being – a young person living life, relaxing. Like you know, do you do you feel a pressure to just really like make the most of everything, or you know, if you spend a day just Netflixing or or whatever, do you are you like, oh god, I just wasted a day watching TV when I could have been. Yeah, outside, I, I sometimes think of that. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I could have been doing something like going fishing, going like exploring. Um, but yeah, like just balancing myself. I don't know. It's just. It's a, it's a tricky question. Probably the best way to put it, just live as you don't have it, but always have that in the back of your mind because it just makes you appreciate things a lot more, like appreciate the people you're around, like the place, like the country you're in, like just, it makes you appreciate every day. Like it, 
it doesn't pay a pressure on me anymore. Like it's more, it's almost giving me more freedom because, you know, I might not be able to do this and might as well go enjoy stuff. So like last year I had a week off down and I spent a lot of money, but I was by myself, spent a lot of money, but I went skydiving. I, I did the cock driver. I just, I did everything like just touristy bit. Like I was like, you know what? I got the time. I might as well go give it a crack and, you know, a couple of days just do that. And then the rest of them couple of days just lay back and relax. Like, I'm not saying like, you know, you got to go bust your ass and enjoy everything. Like, yeah, there's some stage, like, not putting a time on it, but there's some stage it's going to happen. If you push yourself to do everything, it's just going to make it harder for you in the long end because it's just going to wear you down. Like, like you just got to, like some days you just got to sit back, relax and just, you know, enjoy a couple of shows like movies, music, just like there's nothing wrong with sitting back and, you know, relaxing. Looking back on your story so far in life, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way? I feel like I'm in high school getting to ask all these big questions. It's <laughs> all right. This is the last question. The main reason why, I, not that I want to share my story, but I want to let people know about this podcast. Like it just doesn't matter what you have. Don't sit around, do nothing, whatever, and sit on it and dwell and complain that you, you know, you got this much time. Just go live your life. Like just enjoy like everything around you, like the people around you. Just go enjoy everything. Like, not saying rush and go do everything, but just there's no point sitting around. Like I've been told, like there could be people that have what I have and they're sitting at home doing nothing where I'm just living the dream, you know, working on a cattle station, living the dream, and there's people just doing nothing. So the main message is, is just like doesn't matter what it is, just go give it a crack. There's nothing stopping you. It's only you stopping yourself and that's it. Ag Workforce specialises in recruiting for agricultural jobs including farm work, station work and agribusiness across Australia. View current jobs, advertise a position or register as a job seeker at agworkforce.com.au. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or leave us a review. It really helps other people find our podcast. You can find our website at centralstation.net.au where we have over 1,200 stories published from across Northern Australia. All of our podcast episodes, a tourism directory for visiting an outback cattle station and training and employment resources. We're on Facebook at Central Station True Stories from Outback Australian Cattle Stations and we're on Instagram at centralstation.net.au and we're also on Twitter at centralstation6. To discuss this episode with other listeners, head on over to our Facebook group, Central Station Podcast.